The following podcast is not meant for children or for liberals, even though that's pretty much the same thing these days, but that's what we're here for. Somebody's got to keep these brats in line. Anyway, you've been warned. It's the right opinion. These days, our media's either incompetent or malevolent. They don't believe in heaven, but they acting like they haven't sent. Knowing the truth is way harder than telling it. We gotta work harder, gotta be more intelligent. Sometimes we just gotta grab a mic and start yelling shit. We're living in times when it's hard to stay relevant. Be the elephant in the room in a room full of elephants. Be the elephant in the room in a room full of elephants. Boom. Welcome back from boom to zoom and gloom as we head into the dnc because my god was this just depressing as all hell you know it was really funny watching the democrats pretend that they liked america for a little while they had obama speaking from philadelphia um talking about the constitution they actually performed the national anthem they even said under god when they were reciting the pledge of allegiance this is an elaborate guise to try to fool independence into the idea that the Democrats are not a nasty, hateful party that hates everything about this country and is determined to ruin it. But I guess that's what the DNC really was at the end of the day. And it became very apparent as you were watching, if you were watching, that they pretty much know that they have the far left in the bag and they were doing everything they could conceivably do to try to appeal to the middle ground. And we're going to get into a lot of the clips here. This is going to end up being a two-parter in all likelihood because I'm looking at all the clips that I put together and I don't know that my computer is going to be able to handle all of it. So this will probably be part one of the DNC 2020 Zoom and Gloom, as I'm calling it. And let's go ahead and get some of the formalities out of the way before we dive into all of these various clips, some of which actually precede the DNC, but I thought were important. So we'll touch on those and then we'll get into some of the um, undercard members of the DNC, and then in a second episode, we will get into the heavy hitters, the Hillarys, the Obamas, both of them for that matter, um, and then also Kamala and Joe, the ticket that they think is going to save America from the mean, mean orange man. Nevertheless, this is The Right Opinion right here on the therightopinion.podbean.com, also available on Google Play, Stitcher, iTunes. There's a bunch of new ones, too. I'm getting approved for Spotify right now. So keep an eye out for me there if that's how you catch your podcasts. Also, follow me on all social media, or at least on these social medias, Twitter, Parler, and Instagram, at RightOpinionPod. Feel free to email the show, therightopinionpod at gmail.com. And we can't forget about ratsaladreview.com, waiting on an email from Nate over there so we could try to organize our debate about trans rights or whatever it is that he wants to argue about. I, I, again, I have the right opinion, so I'm not all that worried about it. And, of course, the brand new HameenMediaGroup.Podbean.com. Yes, HackerHameen.Podbean.com got so big, we decided to split some of the shows off. So if you're looking for the right opinion, it is no longer at HackerHameen.Podbean.com. It will, however, be available at HameenMediaGroup.com. Check them out over there. See if we can get the subscribers up over there. And hopefully it could be every bit as successful as HackerHameen.Podbean.com has been. So, Cardi B. Yeah, I'm going to start with Cardi B. Cardi B interviewed the possible next president of the United States for Elle magazine, why they decided Cardi B 
why L, why, I, this is all so baffling, frankly. <laughs> it's I'm actually gotten dumber having listened to this clip a few times. I'm going to ask you, as you're listening to this, which of these people sounds less in touch with reality? Um, it's going to be a hard one. I'm not going to lie. It's really, really difficult. But let's open up with how this interview opened up. So the two of them pop up, Cardi B and Joe, Joey B, as we'll hear him referred as, on their respective Zoom ends of the call. And here is the awkward exchange to open things up. Hi, buddy. How are you? How are you? The name's I'm, Joe. Well, hello there, Joe. Uh, as a matter I of fact, me. why don't you meet my daughter? The love of my life, the life of my love. She's a fan of yours. Hi, a, how are you? This Hi, is Ashley. You? Good, how are you doing? You know the I'm nickname good, she gave her father when she was growing up? She'd call me Joey B. So yeah. we may be related Joey or something. B. Yep, Cardi B and Joey B. <laughs> I mean, Normally when people make that joke, you think, oh, yeah, like they, they know they're kidding and that they're probably not related. Like, well, for instance, when I was a kid, I was a big fan of the Ninja Turtles. And I used to always ask my dad if April O'Neil was related to Shaquille O'Neal. April O'Neil is a fictional character. She's also an entirely Caucasian woman from what we could tell. And uh, Shaquille O'Neal, not so much. Could they be related? Sure. Uh, are they related? No. I wonder to myself if Joe Biden actually thinks he's related to Cardi B. But more importantly than any of that, Joe Biden's daughter is a big fan of Cardi B. I had to look this up. Joe Biden's daughter is 39 years old. This is a grown-ass fucking woman who apparently grew up to have never grown up. And she's listening to Cardi B. She's a huge fan. I mean, this is nothing in comparison to the type of son that Joe raised, the scumbag that he is that's partnered with the Chinese government to uh, to create facial recognition software for them to be able to enslave and encamp Uyghurs across their country. Oh, by the way, he was also heavily involved in a, you know, in, in, a, in a ridiculous scandal over in the Ukraine where he received an exorbitant amount of money to just sit on a board because he was the vice president's son and for no reason other than that. Meanwhile, there may have very well been proxy wars that were going on. Billions of dollars just magically disappeared with some of his business partners who probably should have never been given that money in the first place because of their past and their corruption but Hunter Biden apparently is is not the only Biden child that is completely lost and misguided. Here is Ashley Biden, again, a grown-ass 39-year-old woman who is apparently a, quote, huge fan, end quote, of Cardi B. I, this is, this is what you want? I mean, look, Donald Trump, obviously not the greatest human being, right? Like we all, I think even I, who, who is one of the biggest fans of him, can definitely say that. Look at his kids. I mean, you might not like the way that Don Jr. handles his social media, but other than that, all of his kids are incredibly intelligent, incredibly respectful. I highly doubt any of them listen to Cardi B, which isn't to say that your musical taste is a great indication of who you are as a person, but if you're listening to Cardi B, one would imagine something about that music hits home with you. Uh, perhaps Ashley Biden has a wet ass pussy and decided that that Cardi B was the music for her. I don't know. I, I highly doubt it being that I've, I've seen her and I don't know that there's many men rushing over to make such a 
particular part of her body moist? Yeah, I said moist. I know, I just turned off about 7% of you. I don't care. Anyway, <laughs> so Ashley Biden, big fan of Cardi B and Joey B, may very well be related to Cardi B. This is where this madness began. But let's get into, this was supposed to be an interview with Joe Biden, but Joe Biden actually asks a question of Cardi B, and she lays out all of her demands for what she's looking for in her next president. Let's hear what Ms. B has to say. Care. And this is why it's important to have free Medicare, because look, look, look what's happening right now. You see why we should have been having free Medicare for a long time. I, of course, think that we need a uh, free college education. That's second. And I want black people to stop getting killed and no justice for it. I'm tired of it. I'm tired of it. I just want more stricter laws that is fair to black citizens. And, you know, it's fair for cops, too. If you kill somebody that is that doesn't have a weapon on them, you go to jail. You know what? If I kill somebody, I got to go to jail. You got to go to jail, too. So lots to talk about there. Uh, she wants free health care and free college education, a noble you know, a want to have. It would be wonderful if these things were free. The problem is, is that nothing is free. And that these things need to be paid for by somebody. This comes from the same woman, mind you, who in her first real political rant that she ever made was talking about how the government takes too much of her taxes. Well, Cardi, doll, bay, if you will. What? How do you think that this stuff is going to get paid for? I got news for you, honey. You're going to be the one paying for my kids' free college education, not somebody providing you with free college education for your kids. You're going to be paying for many, many children's college educations. And here's the thing. If that's what you want so bad, you can do that now. You've got all this money. Start a charity. Start a fund. Start a contest. I'll pay for your college. You could do that. You could do that tomorrow. No one is saying that you can't. But what you're saying is that you would like for the government to reach into your pocket, my pocket, and pockets of the millions of other Americans to pay for college educations for other people. Again, it sounds like a nice idea. It would be great if school was free, except for the fact that if school was free, school would be terrible, like everything else that is free, quote-unquote, from the government. It's just not the case that this will ever be a successful plan for America. And once again, if we are looking to help the disenfranchised and the poor amongst us, Cardi B could just drop another single she could drop wet ass pussy too and donate all of the proceeds to paying for other college educations for other kids as opposed to trying to vote in joe biden who will then raise taxes who will then provide free stuff mind you all of the administration and bureaucracy crap that needs to go along the way there all of those people need to get paid by the way by the time your taxpayer dollars get to a student to pay for their child's education it will be minuscule and it will be a, a very small percentage of what initially went in in the form of tax revenue that will trickle down. Why is that? Well, because trickle-down trickle economics works in the private sector. It doesn't work in the government because the government eats up so much of the money by the time it trickles down to you. It's, it's just the most inefficient, conceivable way of trying to get something done is to give your money to the government. This has been proven over and over again. Look at the post office, for instance, which is technically an independent company, yada, 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 even though it is fully funded by the federal government and has lost money for 13 
consecutive years. We are now supposed to believe this is the institution that is going to, quote, save our democracy, even though we don't live in a fucking democracy, something I will definitely touch on throughout the course of this or the next episode, particularly when we get to Barack Hussein Obama. But let's get to the end of what Cardi B was saying there. She wants stricter laws. And if you kill somebody, you got to go to jail. You got to go to jail, she says. But if you drug and rob people and force them to have sex with people that they don't want to have sex with, that's totally cool. You don't get to go to jail. You get a multi-platinum music career. I, I'm, you can't make this stuff up. And this is actually one of the reasons I played this to begin with, is this is very indicative of the entirety of the Democratic Party and the entirety of the Democratic National Convention, as we will hear. They completely are unaware of their own flaws. They make these bold claims that run contrary to their actions, and then they expect you to just believe it, like you haven't been paying attention. And maybe you haven't. Luckily, you're paying attention now. Welcome to The Right Opinion. Anyway, moving on from Cardi B to Brian Stelter. Yes, we're not quite at the DNC yet, but my God. This man has been referred to as a human potato on more conservative podcasts than I could conceivably mention. This is an insult to potatoes, okay? Mashed potatoes have a higher IQ and greater self-awareness than Brian Stelter. We are about to play—I'm about to play you a clip that I shit you not has not been faked, altered in any way. It's simply been cut for time. This is not a Babylon Bee parody. This is not The Onion. This is not— Footage from an alternate reality. This is actual footage that took place in this timeline on CNN, on Reliable Sources with Brian Stelter. <laughs> I can't even fucking say it out loud. It's so absurd. Here he is asking one of the guests on his show if there's anything on the left that is as anti-Trump as the right-wing media machine appears to be anti-Biden. I shit you not, I needed to say that in advance of the quote because when you hear it, it's going to take you back several steps. Like, you're going to just be taken aback. You're going to be like, this cannot be real. It's real. I assure you, he actually said these words on television with a straight face. Human mashed potato. Go ahead. This, You know, when you see um, entire media companies essentially exist to tear down Joe Biden, is there an equivalent to that on the left tearing down Trump? Uh, there, there really isn't. And, you know, what I would say, it, it, it's, a, it's really a diet of, of this type of information that a lot of these voters are getting. A lot of the voters that I talk to, I can, uh, you know, when I interview them, I do hear uh, them saying a lot of the talking points that sound very familiar from, from some of these shows, which I try to listen to when I'm out on the campaign trail or when I'm yeah. at home, uh, you know, watching TV. You know, you can. There really isn't. Uh, there. Hmm. New York Times, Washington Post, Yahoo News, CBS News, CNN, MSNBC. I mean, like, the list goes on and on. That I didn't even get into the Daily Beast and the Politicos and the Huffington Post and, like, all of these completely asinine fucking, I don't even know what to call them. They're certainly not journalism outlets. They're propaganda outlets, right? Like, all, all they ever do. Like, if you, want to tell, if you want to make the claim to me that the media covers Donald Trump fairly, he's just every bit as terrible of a person as they admit as they as they say he is, then you need to show me any actual evidence of any of this. I mean, they, they spewed on and on about the Russia collusion, which they're still trying to make some sort of claims to, even though report after report after report come out saying that 
yeah, there might have been some entanglements with the, with the campaign and some Russian people, mostly because the Russian people were targeting these loose ends of the campaign, but there was no actual collusion. And by the way, the FBI, instead of actually trying to stop Russia, seemed to be more determined to connect Donald Trump to Russia's activities than they were to actually stop any election meddling at any given point in time. Yet another thing I will probably get into when we talk about Obama a little bit later on or in the next episode. But if you want to tell me the media is covering Donald Trump fairly and he's just a terrible person, you're going to also need to point to me, point out to me any articles from any of those outlets that I just named that say anything positive about Donald Trump. Because certainly he hasn't done everything wrong. You want to say that the coronavirus stuff has been bad, you're wrong. I mean, obviously it's been terrible, but it's not his fault. It's way more the fault of the local governors as well as China and the World Health Organization for lying and covering up China's malfeasance during all of this. It's most definitely not Donald Trump's fault. If you want to give him a sliver of the blame, fine, do you. But like at the end of the day, there's way more people that are to blame for the deaths and the economic impact in this country than him. It, it always it bewilders me that they blame the economy on him, like he isn't doing absolutely everything in his power to make this the greatest economy ever. We all know it's the biggest thing that he brags about all the time. Why would he purposely run the economy into the ground unless there was reasons for him to do so, reasons like medical reasons being provided to him by medical experts saying, hey, Maybe we need to encourage masks. Hey, maybe we need to encourage some form of lockdown, some forms of social distancing. And he's gone along with those experts every single step of the way, except for, of course, when he was ahead of the experts and he instituted the travel bans, which, by the way, some of the experts were in on that decision, as Fauci said before Congress recently. So there's no one on the left specifically out there to try to ruin Donald Trump. This is the world that Brian Stelter lives in. He's a reliable source, though, guys. Unbelievable. Again, that's not from an alternate reality. That is real supposed news coverage that was actually presented on CNN as news. And not only news, reliable news, because it's reliable sources, and it's on CNN where facts matter. <laughs> it's just on th these people... I, I, they think you're stupid. There's no other explanation for this other than they think their audience is stupid. And if they're CNN, they're actually correct. So there's not there's something to be said about that. But unlike reliable sources, the Democrats are always reliable. They are always reliable to be the hypocrites and the ridiculous circus clown show that they have been and will always be. This is the party of me too, of believe all women, except for when that woman is saying something about their presidential candidate or about their president at the time. And speaking of Bill Clinton, yes, Bill Clinton, that Bill Clinton, the one who you would think would be canceled a million times over, not only for what he did to poor Monica Lewinsky back in the day, who was, for, for what it's worth, a consenting adult, but was clearly in over her head in a relationship there where there was a power balance that is unlike that of pretty much any relationship we've ever seen or heard about in the history of the world, uh, you would have to go back to like uh, what was it, Sally Gen Jemings and 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 Thomas Jefferson to try to ha Sally Hemings, that's her name, and and Thomas Jefferson to try to find a, a power balance and a relationship that was quite on the scale of Bill Clinton and Monica Lewinsky. But that said, Bill Clinton, not only is he here talking in the middle of this Democratic convention in the middle of this Me Too movement, in the middle of this Believe All Women nonsense. But he actually had the audacity to say that Donald Trump 
is disrespecting the Oval Office. This from a man who literally was sticking cigars into the undercarriage of his interns in the Oval Office. Bill Clinton, take it away. If, of course, you have enough time in between trips to Epstein Island. At a time like this, the Oval Office should be a command center. Instead, it's a storm center. There's only chaos. Just one thing never changes. His determination to deny responsibility and shift the blame. That's because we live in a constitutional republic built on a system of federalism, where in the governors of every respective state have powers like lockdowns and mask mandates and closing down businesses, the federal government, i.e. the president in this particular case, does not have that power. Joe Biden is claiming that he's going to put out a national mask mandate, something that is entirely unconstitutional and will never actually happen, even with spineless jellyfish like John Roberts on the Supreme Court. But it's Trump's fault, and he's shifting the blame, as if the blame isn't already shifted to the parties that it should be shifted to. This virus started in China. It was spread because of their negligence or their outright malfeasance. It was then covered up by the World Health Organization. It then spread throughout the world. The only person here in the U.S. that was actually acting on it was Donald Trump when he banned travel from China and later banned travel from Europe. When he banned travel from China, we had less than 100 cases in the entire country here that we knew of, mostly because the testing sucked because the CDC dropped the ball. And if you want to blame that on Donald Trump, I ask you, do you want Donald Trump in the laboratory working on the tests? Because obviously you don't think he's very bright, and I would suggest that his presence in a laboratory would probably be a little bit disruptive instead of letting the medical experts, the scientists, do what they do. And of course, in this particular case, they drop the ball. Why? Well, because these are government scientists, and these are government doctors and medical experts. And as I mentioned to you at the top of the show, there is no more inefficient way to possibly try to get anything done than to hand that problem over to the government. So what did Donald Trump do? Well, he deregulated and he rallied the private sector to now put forth the greatest testing effort in the world, so much so that it has come back to bite him because we have tested so many people and found so many cases that now the media talks about how many cases we have. We have 5 million cases. First of all, we don't have 5 million cases. Many of those tests are the same person being tested over and over again because here's the thing. If you test positive, you need to go back for a second test to determine whether or not you've recovered from the disease. Many of those people that tested positive the first round came back in for a second test and also tested positive. That was counted as two positive cases. This has happened over and over again. There have been people who have tested positive multiple times. So to suggest that the 5 million cases, which is not a bad thing in and of itself, because that means that we are detecting the cases rather than just having these people willy-nilly walking around and spreading this disease that is apparently so deadly to everyone except for the 99.8% of people who get it. If, if of course, you are not near—the the closer you get to, to life expectancy, the more likely you are to die of this disease— but they continue to pretend that children are in danger. We keep hearing all these sob stories about these pro athletes that have it. I'm yet to see a single pro athlete be put on a vent or being or being you know subject to any real serious symptoms as a result of this. Why? Because they're young and they're healthy and they are unlikely to be 
met with any serious consequences from this virus, yet that's all you hear about. Oh, this sports team, all these guys got positive tests and yada, yada, yada. And I get it. We're worried about more than just the athletes. We're worried about the coaches. We're not worried about fans because they're, they're not even there. Worried about crew members. Okay, we're talking about a very small number of people, people that can either be replaced, work remotely, work from a distance, work via walkie-talkie, whatever it is that you got to do to help those people, fine. Instead of uprooting the entire system, they've literally uprooted an entire baseball season, an entire basketball season, an entire football season, potentially, both in pro and college football, to defend, to, to protect the very few outlier people that are involved in the process, whereas the bulk of people, much like the general population that are involved in these processes, will not see any serious ramifications if they should contract this disease. I don't even know where that rant started. Let's get back into Bill Clinton. Denying, distracting, and demeaning works great if you're trying to entertain or inflame. But in a real crisis, it collapses like a house of cards. COVID just doesn't respond to any of that. To beat it, you've got to actually go to work and deal with the facts. Lying, distracting, and demeaning are all good things if you're trying to entertain and inflame. You know, like the media. The same clowns that are, oh, Donald Trump's so mean. By the way, everyone who's ever voted for him is a fucking racist. Okay? okay? Like, I, 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 look, the idea that Donald Trump is the only one who's mean to people in the political arena is hilarious. It's actually been going on since long before Donald Trump ever entered the political arena. But we're just going to pretend he is the embodiment of all things that are bad about politics, even though the very reason he got elected is because he is the polar fucking opposite. But we're just going to keep on pretending. By the way, Bill Clinton, nice little House of Cards reference in there. I'm sure you and your buddy Spacey have spent a lot of fucking time together on the Lolita Express. The, the House of Cards, by the way, anybody who watched that show knows how evil Frank Underwood was, how corrupt DC is, and Bill Clinton has been on record saying that it's really not that far off. And, you know, I might think, being that, you know, Frank Underwood had killed a few people along the way, maybe Bill was speaking out of personal experience. Again, this is the guy who was using his intern's coochie as a humidor in the Oval Office sitting here trying to pretend like he was doing the work. No, he was doing the help. There's a big fucking difference, Bill. It is unfathomable to me that the DNC thought it was a good idea to put this guy out there. And of course, the Daily Mail, good on the Daily Mail, released some photos of him with one of the Epstein victims on the day that he was supposed to speak. Kind of made it too late for the DNC to pull him, but we all know what this man was doing, not only with Monica, but with these fucking young girls. We all know this. Everyone knows this. Hashtag Bill Clinton is a pedophile was trending number one on Twitter. You would figure that the party that has all of the blue check marks would have been at least mildly aware of the fact that there is a general feel out there that Bill Clinton is a pedophile and a rapist, and yet they had him, them, the party of Me Too. They had this man speak at their fucking convention. I... It's almost as dumb as having Hillary speak at the convention because she's the reason you guys lost last time, but you're going to have her come out and endorse Joe Biden as if anyone gives a fuck what Hillary Clinton thinks about anything. More on that in episode two. Anyway, let's let's roll on to the next speaker here. Um, I have in my notes, hashtag 
Horse face. No, it's not Stormy Daniels, although I am fairly surprised that she didn't make an appearance here. Why wouldn't she, right? And not to mention that they have every celebrity under the sun at their disposal, and they brought on, like, Billie Eilish, Eva Longoria, and Kerry Washington. Kerry Washington's incredibly talented and beautiful, and obviously Eva Longoria is beautiful as well. Billie Eilish looks like a—she looks like a, a depressed troll. Like, literally, the trolls, like, with the hair thing, it looks like she's depressed, and that's why the hair is deflated, and she's just this weird, chronically depressed, green-haired, obese fucking chick, but whatever it is. These are the celebrities that they decided to roll out, alongside people like Horseface John Kerry, yes, John Kerry, the perpetual Logan Act violator John Kerry, yeah, hey, look, if they want to use the Logan Act as a legitimate thing that they could prosecute people for, no one is more guilty of Logan Act violations than John Kerry, you know, the very thing that they tried to lock up Michael Flynn for at the bare minimum, trap him and keep him from maintaining his job, in the Trump administration, that Logan Act, John Kerry literally went to Iran after he was the Secretary of State, after the Obama administration had left office, to go discuss the Iran deal with the Iranians. That is, by definition, negotiating on behalf of the American government when you are not authorized to do so, which is a violation of the Logan Act. So if we are going to take that thing seriously, it is time to lock up John Kerry. But here he is, old Horseface himself, talking about something. I don't know. I fell asleep halfway through this clip. I'll try to listen to it again and give you some commentary on the other side. This is the bottom line. Our interests, our ideals, and our brave men and women in uniform can't afford four more years of Donald Trump. Our troops can't get out of harm's way by hiding in the White House bunker. They need a president who will stand up for them. Yo, is this dude serious? Like... Again, this is another one of these things that I cannot wrap my head around, how they say these things out loud, and they actually expect people to take them seriously. John Kerry, Secretary of State under Barack Obama. More bombings, more drone attacks than any president ever. Donald Trump pulled us out of Syria, has attempted multiple times to pull us out of Afghanistan, has stopped us from entering into several wars that seem to be guaranteed with North Korea, with Russia, with China, with Iran. There have been any number of, and not, not to mention a, a call to add troops to Syria, which he went the other way on. Donald Trump's not looking out for the troops. He gave them higher pay raises than ever before. He has kept them out of wars, unlike any president in the modern era. It is unfathomable to me that John Kerry thinks that sending our men and women in uniform off to go fight a bunch of fucking useless proxy wars that never end, never go anywhere, and put innocent lives in danger, that's protecting our troops. But giving them pay raises and getting them out of Syria, those are not looking out for our troops. Uh, not to mention the, the stuff that Trump has done for the veterans, the, the, the freedom, uh, the, uh, I forget exactly what it's called, but basically he gave them freedom to go beyond the VA to get themselves medical care, and the VA would essentially compensate them for it. He's given them choice as far as their medicine goes, but John Kerry seems to think that Donald Trump doesn't give a fuck about the troops. It's, it's laughable, not to mention the Democrats are constantly trying to cut the budget of the troops. Donald Trump has increased it drastically. John Kerry, not a serious human being, no matter how serious his face looks, no matter how much he looks like Lurch from the Adams family, he is not nearly as serious. On the inside, he's about as silly as Cousin It looks on the outside. But John Kerry, he's looking out for the troops. Don't worry. Pay attention to her face. Moving on from there, 
Let's go from one former Secretary of State to another former Secretary of State, that, of course, this time being Colin Powell, who, by the way, when the last election was going on in 2016, was on the record stating that Bill Clinton, you know, the guy that we just listened to a little while ago, was, quote, still dicking bimbos while his wife was running for president. Stand-up guy, that Bill Clinton. Anyway, Colin Powell saying the words dicking bimbos is priceless, by the way. I wish there was audio and I would clip it, but I believe I only read that somewhere. And it was a direct quote, and he has not backed away from it. That said, here's Colin Powell talking more about how Joe Biden will stand up for America. Biden will be a president we will all be proud to salute. With Joe Biden in the White House, you will never doubt that he will stand with our friends and stand up to our adversaries, never the other way around. He will trust our diplomats and our intelligence community, not the flattery of dictators and despots. He will make it his job to know when anyone dares to threaten us. He will stand up to our adversaries with strength and experience. They will know he means business. He goes on there, and my, my clip cut off there, he goes on to say that no one will push Joe around, which is funny because I saw some 90-pound female 20-something pulling him away from the press just recently. So from no one will push him around in the fantasies of Colin Powell to, again, 90-pound 20-something female pu pushing him around quite literally in the public eye here in reality— it's kind of hard to balance those two things out. By the way, I will not be proud to salute Joe Biden as our president, and I don't mean to get all Michelle Obama on you here, but I will be very, very disappointed in the American people if they elect this guy. To, to suggest that your fifis are so important that you can't stand the mean orange man, the mean orange man's tweets so badly that you're willing to ruin our country, which is what Joe Biden is going to do. Not because Joe Biden wants to do it. Joe Biden doesn't know where the fuck he is. Colin Powell says he will stand up to our enemies. Motherfucker can't even stand up. This is a guy that is pretending that he is fighting for the soul of our nation while actively losing the battle to keep his soul in his corpse. He's not going to stand up to anybody. He won't stand up to Kamala Harris. You think he's going to stand up to fucking Vladimir Putin? What kind of fucking crack are you smoking? It is unfathomable that Colin Powell, of all people, he's a deep state as deep state gets, so it's absolutely no surprise to see him at the Democratic National Convention. But Colin Powell out here talking about how Joe Biden, like, motherfucker, have you not watched a single interview with this guy? Can you imagine him sitting across the table from a powerful world leader? And oh, by the way, oh, he will stand up to our enemies and reside with our allies. Our allies fucking suck. Our allies have been basically sitting around with the exception of England and Israel for the entirety of the United States experiment, just fucking sucking off the teat of the U.S. We protect them. They pay nothing. We pay for these fucking multinational organizations, NATO and fucking World Health Organizations and and uh, and and the UN and we we are the ones fitting the bill for a bulk of all this stuff. All the rest of them just sit around and reap the benefits of it. Donald Trump has put a stop to that, making them actual allies now. They're not just fucking latchers on parasites, if you will, which is exactly what they had been up until Donald Trump came along and said, "No, no, no, you're gonna have to pay your own way." Believe me, and they have, and I believe him. I don't believe Colin Powell because. Let's face it, he's clearly not in touch with reality. Joe Biden's going to stand up, and he means business. Yeah, he means business opportunities for his scumbag son. That's what he means. Not to mention his brother and his son-in-law. Ashley's husband, by the way, I'm pretty sure, is the one. How, how, Howard Kiner? Kreiner? 
neither here nor there. Go back and listen to the Biden crime family episode, which I'll probably just repost at some point in the near future as we get closer to the election, because it's important information that I feel like everybody needs. That said, I'm done with Colin Powell. My colon has been cleansed, if you will. Let's see what we got next in, oh, this is good, Dr. Jill Biden. Now, in fairness, Dr. Jill spoke during one of the first couple of nights here. Dr. Jill did a very good job of giving the case that her husband is a fine man, which you would assume any wife would feel about their husband, rather than get into the minutia there, because I think it's, you know, Jill Biden's a smart woman. She's fairly articulate. She obviously loves her husband. She was going to have no problem whatsoever painting this very nice, rosy picture of Joe. However, she did this whole thing from an empty classroom, if I'm not mistaken, as did Elizabeth Warren. It's a weird theme that they got going here because they're the ones responsible for these these empty classrooms. Again, uh, unbelievable to me that they haven't figured out that the American people are smart enough to figure that out. But here is Dr. Jill talking about these empty classrooms and the state of our current educational system. After all, she is a doctor and uh, I believe a doctorate in education, if I'm not mistaken. Here is Jill Biden. This quiet is heavy. You can hear the anxiety that echoes down empty hallways. There's no scent of new notebooks or freshly waxed floors. The rooms are dark as the bright young faces that should fill them are now confined to boxes on a computer screen. I'm sorry, which party wants to keep the school shut down? Which presidential candidate wants a national mask mandate and probably subsequent lockdowns to go along with that? Donald Trump wants to open the schools full bore on September 1st or whenever the schools start. Every school open in full. The Democrats are sitting here pretending like, oh, it's all Trump's fault that your kid isn't in school. No one believes that. Absolutely no one believes that. And if you want to, again, make the argument that it's because he so poorly mismanaged this virus. Just imagine everything I'm saying in that alternate caps lock SpongeBob font. The, the, the virus is so bad now and we can't send our kids to school. No, the virus is not so bad that you can't send your kids to school. As a matter of fact, the virus is going to virtually not harm your child in any way, shape, or form. The statistical odds of your kid getting and dying from COVID are less than your child dying of influenza or, for that matter, being struck by lightning. And that's not even hyperbole. That is a real fucking thing that came out recently, is that your child is more likely to be struck by lightning than they are to suffer from and die of COVID-19. Meaning if you've ever let your child out by the Democrat standard, you wanted them to die and you are a terrible parent who should probably have your child taken away from you so that they could be raised by the state. This is pure gaslighting, right? Like there's just, there's no other way of describing it. To suggest that Donald Trump is responsible for the schools being closed is nothing short of gaslighting because he's literally the only major politician out there screaming we should open the schools up but the democrats are pretending like they are going to get your kids back in school no they're not going to get your kids back in school what they're going to do is they're going to keep the schools closed and then they're going to turn around and they're going to pay their buddies in the teachers unions even more money to bitch even louder to sit around and do nothing but complain about how their lives are in danger if they go back to schools 
further causing you to stay home with your kids, which is not a bad thing unto itself, except for the fact that you need to work and you need to pay bills so that you can provide for said kids. The Democrats have no interest in allowing you to do that. They want you to believe that all of this is Donald Trump's fault, despite the fact that they are openly saying still on news outlets to this very day that they don't believe the schools should be opened immediately. It's irrational, illogical, out of touch with reality. I'm running out of ways to describe this, but let's just let the insanity keep on rolling. I give to you the very real governor of very imaginary Georgia, Stacey Abrams, or is she the imaginary governor of real Georgia? I'll let you decide. Here she is talking about like election integrity. This from the woman who literally lost by over 55,000 votes and still thinks she's the actual legitimate governor of Georgia. And oh, by the way, she has a few things to say about saviors in here. Notice if you, let's see if you guys pick up on the contradiction from what she says at the beginning of this video to the end of this video. It's only about a minute long, but she opens one way, closes another. They run in direct contradiction to one another. Let's see if you guys can figure it out, and then I will present it to you. In a democracy, we do not elect saviors. We cast our ballots for those who see our struggles and pledge to serve, who hear our dreams and work to make them real who defend our way of life by protecting our right to vote. Faced with a president of cowardice, Joe Biden is a man of proven courage. He will restore our moral compass by confronting our challenges, not by hiding from them or undermining our elections to keep his job. So did you catch that? I mean, in addition to the whole election integrity thing, which is sort of hilarious, and they keep using the word democracy like we actually live in a democracy, which we don't, which they would know if they've ever cracked a history book, but uh, they only read the ones that, that they write themselves, like the Hannah Nicole Joneses of the world who write the 1619 Project. That's the only actual history that they know. Somebody framed this actually very well. I want to say it was Andrew Clavin, but I think he was quoting somebody else. This election comes down to 1776 versus 1619. Do you believe that our founding principles that came about in the 1700s, mid, you know, mid to late 1700s, 1766-ish, do you believe that that's truly what America was, was founded, or do you go all the way back to the beginning of some arbitrary time where it just so happened that slavery began here in the United States, and that's truly when the United States began? Basically, it comes down to, do you think this is a racist nation or not? And if you do think this is a racist nation, then go ahead and vote for Joe Biden. The old, you know, geriatric fucking, you know, racist himself is going to fix everything. Or you could just, you know, be in touch with reality, realize America is the least racist, racist nation in the history of ever by every conceivable metric, even according to left-wing outlets like the Washington Post. And you can just go about your day and vote in your best interest, which is voting for Donald Trump, who is not going to infringe upon your rights in any significant way, who is going to desperately try to get more money, more of your money, back into your pocket. Not just handing out other people's money. He wants to give you more of your money because the government has no fucking business taking it in the first place. After all, taxation is theft. Duh. Anyway, so did you catch it? I don't know if you did. You probably forgot what it was because I ranted again. She opens that statement. It's only a minute long. She manages to grossly contradict herself in a single minute. She says by she starts by saying that we don't elect saviors and then finishes by essentially describing how Joe Biden is going to save us from the mean orange man. 
not saviors, but Joe's the savior. We don't elect saviors, but Joe is here to save you, which is definitely not the same thing as a savior. I, I, I wonder if imaginary Georgia is doing well with COVID. I mean, they have such strong leadership. I can imagine that they probably have millions of imaginary deaths. Anyway, let's go from delusional imaginary governors to mom jokes. I, I wasn't fully aware mom jokes were a thing until I discovered the existence of Amy Klobuchar. And here is Kitty from That 70s Show. You know, the president may hate the post office, but he's still going to have to send them a change of address card come January. Oh, burn. I'm sure Trump is really, really reeling from that one. As a matter of fact, he might have actually stopped tweeting for five minutes following this joke because his heart was just so broken. He is going to have to move back into his million-dollar mansions and penthouses. And so, oh, man, that would really be terrible for him, wouldn't it? And he probably wouldn't send the post office a change of address card because I, I don't believe he's actually physically changed his actual address. As a matter of fact, he's a registered voter in Florida because Mar-a-Lago is his official residence. But, you know, let's not let that get in the way. By the way, he doesn't hate the post office. He put one of his his, uh, his business co cohorts, and yeah, a donor of his, DeJoy, I believe his name is, is the postmaster general now, in place to try to fix the post office. Not fix the election, fix the post office, which again has been losing money for 13 consecutive years. To quote Steven Crowder, imagine pitching that shit on Shark Tank. Uh, yeah, well, you know, we have this essential service that everybody needs, and yet we keep losing money. Oh, well, how much money? Oh, well, we haven't turned a profit in 14 years. Oh, well, I mean, those, this is like the first 14 years, right? Like, no, nah, we've been an institution that's been around for hundreds of years. And uh, yeah, we just can't seem to make money off of this essential service that apparently everybody needs. And uh, we raise the rates on postage every year. Doesn't help. We try to come up with more efficient vehicles and mechanisms. Doesn't help. Meanwhile, FedEx, UPS, doing just fine. DHL, doing just fine. It's almost like government involvement in this particular area of parcel delivery has failed us the same way that government involvement in everything fails us. Speaking of government failing us, some governments, particularly state governments, are so bad that they've actually failed people beyond the borders of the state that they are supposed to be helping. Enter Andrew Cuomo, who has done such an abysmal job of handling COVID-19 in New York that it has spread to the neighboring states of Connecticut and my state of New Jersey, where those three states have remarkably high death tolls in comparison to the rest of the country and the rest of the world. But don't worry, Andrew Cuomo's got a lot to say about this. As a matter of fact, he's got a book coming out about his handling of COVID. 100% of the smooth brains who buy that book will be voting for Joe Biden. If those are the people that you would like to associate with on an intellectual level, by all means. But I can assure you, they're dumber than Andrew Cuomo who is pretty dumb. As we're about to hear, here is Fredo's brother. Go. Today, we trail the world in defeating COVID. We have over 5 million cases. Americans learned a critical lesson, how vulnerable we are when we are divided, and how many lives can be lost when our government is incompetent. Do I even need to add anything to that? I really don't think I do. Yes, when government is incompetent, see the New York state government, lots of people die. Thanks, Andrew. Here's more of him. But we learned something else, my friends. We saw the negative, but we also saw the positive. 
as they proved their way failed, we proved that our way succeeded. Uh, was his way to kill everybody so that no one else can die of COVID? Is, is that his way? And did, is that success? Does anyone consider New York an actual success? I mean, yeah, we saw these stories of, of I guess, maybe Fauci said something like that along those lines. New York not only failed miserably in the handling of this virus, and uh, look, I don't like Cuomo. I, don't, I frankly don't like any of the politicians in and around New York. That said, I think I've been fairly fair to him on this show, citing, yeah, it's New York. New York City is like one of the biggest hubs in the world. People are always coming and going from New York. By virtue of its attractiveness, it was going to draw more potential cases there. And by virtue of the fact that people live on top of one another on this three mile by 93 mile island, millions of people live there, they were going to be interacting with each other at a much higher rate than other places. But the nursing home policy is really what caused all of the extraneous deaths in New York City. And by the way, even now, as cases are virtually none and uh, and no and deaths are are bottoming out, if not even, I don't even think they had anybody die of COVID in the last couple of days in New York City, if I'm not mistaken. They're still shutting down everything. They're still shutting down the schools. And Andrew Cuomo seems to only be focused on getting all the rich people back into New York so he could take their money to pay for all of the damage that he's done with his policies. And de Blasio right behind him, who was already just handing out cash like it was the friggin' cash cab prior to COVID, and then obviously has spent an exorbitant amount of money trying to handle COVID poorly. So Andrew Cuomo is now the beacon of success stories for COVID. Mind you, you know, and just not to get too far off topic here with the COVID nonsense, but for a lot of people say this, and it makes a lot of sense. People are comparing the United States to other countries like we are like other countries, which we most certainly are not. We have a federalist system here. We have states that are bigger than a lot of the countries that they're talking about. So if we were going to compare, let's compare state versus country. How did New York handle things versus how other countries handled things? How did Texas handle things versus how other countries handled things? Because because of our federal system, the governors actually have most of the power. They essentially Andrew Cuomo is as powerful in New York State as, say, the Prime Minister of England is in England for how decisions are made in England. So to compare Donald Trump's performance with all of this, when he's got to deal with 50 smaller countries, essentially, states, if you will, that all have different circumstances, different terrain, different populations, different governors that are all going to have to be handled differently. Let's compare our states to some of the other countries. And when you do that, and when you break it down by state, it becomes apparent that New York is the worst place in the world to have been during this pandemic because more people are dying at a much higher rate there than anywhere else, including Wuhan, including uh, Italy, including Spain, including the UK, including Belgium, including Sweden, where they didn't even lock down. New York handled this the worst of anyone anywhere in the world. All right, I'm going to retract the Wuhan statement because I don't believe a fucking single number statistic or piece of evidence that comes out of China. But even still, if you were to believe those things, which Cuomo and his buddies do, then they still handled it worse than the Chinese. And now I feel obligated to say, China. Anyway, the DNC also brought up some random girl whose father apparently died of COVID because 
You guessed it, Donald Trump. Here is uh, this young lady who, look, she's mourning. She lost her father. God bless her. Feel terrible for her. No one should have to, you know, I've, no one, well, no one should have to. Everyone should have to lose a parent because no parent should ever have to lose a child. But it, it, she's grieving. And, and this is obviously her way of dealing with it. Shame on the DNC for putting this woman on television. Mind you, you know what? Let's hear what she has to say first. My dad, Mark Anthony Urquiza, should be here today, but he isn't. He had faith in Donald Trump. He voted for him, listened to him, believed him and his mouthpieces when they said that coronavirus was under control and going to disappear, that it was okay to end social distancing rules before it was safe, and that if you had no underlying health conditions, you'd probably be fine. And that is still accurate, by the way. I'm sorry things didn't work out for her father, but if you have no underlying health conditions, you'll probably be fine. That said, his underlying health condition was he was 65 years old, which puts him in the danger zone. At no point in time did Donald Trump ever say healthy 65-year-olds will be just fine walking around with no masks and going on cruises or whatever the fuck this guy did. He believed Donald Trump and he died because of it. She actually went on in that same speech to say that he was a healthy 65-year-old and his only pre-existing condition was trusting Donald Trump. Newsflash, bitch. 63 million people voted for Donald Trump. Your father apparently is the only idiot amongst them who took it upon himself to just willy-nilly take all of the health precautions that he was told to do, even by Trump and his experts, just forgot about all of them, lived his life, and he died. He's in the same category as the ass clowns that took the koi pond cleaner, okay? The rest of us, I believe in Donald Trump. I support Donald Trump. I even will go as far as to say that I trust him to a certain extent. That said, I'm I'm okay. Now, I'm young and I'm healthy and I have no pre-existing conditions. That could have everything to do with it. My parents are okay. They're pretty much in lockstep with me about this. My father's even less concerned about this than I am. My my father damn near died of a fucking flu two years ago, okay? He is so not even worried about this. It, it's, it's actually a little alarming, to be honest with you. But that said, um, I, I, this guy is the only guy in the country. He's the only one of the 63 million people who voted for Donald Trump who mysteriously just died from coronavirus because... He trusted Donald Trump. The rest of us trust him too. You think all these people just turned around and were like, meh. As a matter of fact, I would be willing to bet that more people trust him now. And I'm, I am willing to make that bet, as a matter of fact, because the, uh, the election is coming up. And, I, and I'm not physically betting money on it, per se, but I am concerned that there are people out there that don't trust Donald Trump or that are believing the media. Look, I don't need you to trust Donald Trump. I need you to not trust the media. And if you don't trust the media, it becomes blatantly obvious who the one person standing in their way is. And his name is Donald Trump. If Joe Biden gets into office again, you think you're going to be hearing about all these scandals inside the White House and this, that, and the other thing. This is going to get leaked. And no, the media is ready to take another eight-year nap probably 12 years because they'll get four of Joe maybe and 12 and, and another eight of Kamala if they had their druthers. They're just going to take naps like they did under Obama and you're not going to hear about anything, which is why when you hear about the stuff now, everything is all oh, these partisan attacks. No, the media just took a fucking nap during Obama's eight-year tenure. They didn't tell you about all the drone strikes. They didn't tell you about the spying. They didn't tell you about the terrorism that we were funding. They didn't tell you about the drug deals that they knew were going on in this country by terrorists that they just allowed. They didn't tell you 
in great enough detail how we were selling arms to Mexican drug cartels. I mean, the guy was the worst president ever, and you didn't hear anything about it because the media loved him. And they will do the same with Joe, and they will do the same with Kamala as well. Let's say you don't trust Trump, but you trust the media. If it were up to them, if you were to listen to them, you should be wrapped in a hazmat suit in bubble wrap in your basement at all times from now until, let's say, 2022. That's basically where they want you. Donald Trump wants you out and about, living your lives, taking the risk that you have the ability to not only mitigate, but assess for yourselves. Go live your lives. That is what Donald Trump is telling you. Assess the risk, mitigate the risk, but live your lives. We need an economy to be booming because everybody suffers if the economy suffers because jobs aren't as plentiful. They're not paying as much. Goods and services get more expensive. And under Joe Biden, you're going to have a strangled economy like you had under Obama. You're going to have higher taxes. Your company's going to have higher taxes. Your bills are going to be more expensive. These are the things that affect you personally. All the rest of the shit is just noise. How's it going to help your bottom line? Donald Trump will help your bottom line. Joe Biden will not. And Joe Biden will have you wearing a mask. He'll have it glued to your face and you will have, weirdly enough, federal troops in your town to enforce said mask mandate. And they will blame Donald Trump for normalizing federal troops on uh, in, in cities and towns around America. Watch. That's what they'll do. Let's hope we never actually find out. Then let's get over to uh, Benedict Kasich. Yes, John Kasich, the the human wet mop that he is, he's got a few things to say about how America is at a crossroads. And to reinforce that point, he physically stood at a crossroads and said this. Sometimes elections represent a real choice, a choice we make as individuals and as a nation about which path we want to take when we've come to challenging times. America is at that crossroads today. I'm a lifelong Republican. But that attachment holds second place to my responsibility to my country. That's why I've chosen to appear at this convention. In normal times, something like this would probably never happen. But these are not normal times. No, John, these are not normal times. We have Republicans speaking at the national convention for the Democrats. Why, you might ask? Well, let's rewind, right? Let's take a look at all of the criticism that Ted Cruz received for continuing to back Donald Trump. He called your wife ugly. He said your father assassinated JFK and yada, yada, yada. And none of that moved Ted Cruz off of his principles, which is essentially what John Kasich is doing here. I'm a lifelong Republican, and I'm here talking at the Democratic National Convention because the man in the White House is mean, bad, and orange. So I'm going to sacrifice everything I've ever believed in. I'm still a Republican, but I have a duty to my country, aka everything I've ever told you I believed I don't actually believe because one very bad, very orange man was able to shake me from my beliefs to the point to where I am here at the Democratic National Convention touting a, an old racist white man that I presume will be the savior, uh, to, to paraphrase Stacey Abrams a little bit, from the bad orange man. He doesn't actually believe in anything conservative. If he did, he'd be full bore behind Donald Trump, who has been incredibly conservative in his governance. And no, John, you are not at a crossroads. 
you have crossed the road. You know how I know? Because you're a Republican speaking at the Democratic National Convention. Why did the chicken cross the road, you may ask? Because his name was John Kasich. Anyway, he goes on to spew more nonsense, which I'll be happy to dissect for you in a minute. I'm sure there are Republicans and independents who couldn't imagine crossing over to support a Democrat. They fear Joe may turn sharp left and leave them behind. I don't believe that because I know the measure of the man. It's reasonable, faithful, respectful. And you know, no one pushes Joe around. People push Joe around all the time. I think I incorrectly attributed that quote to Colin Powell earlier on, but my criticism still stands. People push Joe around all the time. People have pushed Joe back from his crowning achievement, which was the 94 crime bill, which he was so proud of at the time. He is now backing off of and joining the defund the police fucking crowd. This guy gets pushed around with regularity. And the funniest part about all this is that John Kasich tries to make the case that Joe Biden will not get pushed farther to the left. And then the DNC, almost like they were unaware of what John Kasich was saying. Maybe it was pre-taped. Obviously, it was pre-taped. I assume he didn't go live from that crossroads. But um, they, they apparently didn't actually listen to what he had to say because he was trying to make the case to independents that Joe will not get pushed to the left. And then who did they follow up John Kasich with? Bernie Sanders. Here he is. Our campaign ended several months ago, but our movement continues and is getting stronger every day. Many of the ideas we fought for that just a few years ago were considered radical are now mainstream. Yep. So Kasich wants to tell you that Joe Biden won't go radical left. And then Bernie Sanders wants you to know, don't worry. Joe Biden's going to be the most progressive candidate since FDR, which is funny because I thought the Democrats shouldn't like FDR because he was a president for the Democratic Party before the supposed party switch. Kind of funny how that works. Conveniently, FDR is nice when they want him to, but then when you point out that, oh, but you guys all love FDR, I thought the party switch. No, well, uh, bad, 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 I don't know. I don't know these things. I don't know much of anything. I'm Bernie Sanders. What do you expect? I think socialism's a good idea. I thought Moscow was a lovely place when I honeymooned there with my wife. So he's not going to move all that radical to the left, but Bernie Sanders, fully on board with Joe Biden. The, the, the contradiction there is startling and could only be presented by the Democrat Party, who is just, again, as usual, completely out of touch with reality. And speaking of, I give to you Drunk Aunt Nancy. More than 5 million Americans are infected by the coronavirus. Over 170,000 have died. The science-based action in the HEROES Act we enacted three months ago is essential to safeguard lives, livelihood, and the life of our democracy. And who is standing in the way? Mitch McConnell and Donald Trump. Instead of crushing the virus, they're trying to crush the Affordable Care Act and its pre-existing conditions benefit. Which is really weird, because if I'm not mistaken, which I'm not, Donald Trump just signed an executive order protecting patients with pre-existing conditions from being dropped from their insurance companies and forcing insurance companies to accept people with pre-existing conditions. Personally, not a fan of this move. Largely, because I know how insurance works. I'm legitimately licensed. You're probably hearing some thunder in the background. That's probably my friend, the Andrew Bella. 
He is the god of thunder, after all. Anyway, he wants to protect pre-existing conditions. He has made no bones about the fact that he wants to to protect pre-existing conditions, largely because this is just another example of a government program that was offered that cannot be taken back. To drop people off of their insurance is going to be both politically and socially unwise for Donald Trump and for the Republicans. So they've jumped on board with the whole pre-existing conditions coverage. That said, Obamacare is still an entirely unconstitutional piece of legislation that was passed and then approved, essentially, by the Supreme Court when John Roberts denied the fact that what is clearly a penalty was a penalty and considered it a tax, allowing it to go into force in the first place. That has since actually been revoked by courts, stating that the the individual mandate is illegal because it penalizes you for not purchasing a good or a service that you don't want or don't need. And that decision is entirely up to you, not the government, despite what Nancy Pelosi might think. So yes, he is gutting Obamacare because it's unconstitutional, yet he is putting in place protections for the people who have pre-existing conditions. Now, when Donald Trump signed this executive order, everyone on Twitter said, Oh, but Obamacare is already a thing. Yes, but it's an unconstitutional thing that will be taken down by the courts in the not-too-distant future. As a matter of fact, it really pretty much has. Because without the federal mandate requiring you to have insurance at, at you know with the, with the potential penalty of a fine of up to 1% of your income in that particular year, and I believe it increases every year, 2%, 3%, 4%, if you don't have health insurance coverage, that, that whole law is going to go away. And Donald Trump's executive order will be the only thing left standing protecting pre-existing conditions patients. But Nancy Pelosi, completely uninterested in the facts and completely uninterested in reality. To be fair, she's probably drunk. Anyway, so two last bits here. Let's get to the youth, right? They got to try and rally this youth vote because let's face it, the Democrats are banking on the youth who are overwhelmingly brainwashed by their liberal universities into thinking that Joe Biden is going to save us all from the mean orange man. And let's start with Billie Eilish. I, I vaguely know who this woman is. Um, I've never really heard any of her songs other than maybe a clip that I heard recently on Ben Shapiro, who was talking about Billie Eilish at the DNC and played a little bit of a clip. It's not terrible. She sounds like she has a halfway decent voice. That said, she does not have a halfway decent stump speech in her bag, apparently. This is the most unenthusiastic endorsement possibly ever, and the fact that they thought it was a good idea to have her perform this particular speech, if you even want to call it that, in front of what appeared to be kind of like a weird, ominous graveyard background, which is a peculiar pick when you think about, you know, who they have running at the top of the ticket here. But here is Billie Eilish mustering up all of her enthusiasm to try to get you to vote for Sleepy, Creepy, Flippy, Floppy, Sloppy, Malarkey Joe, here she is. Donald Trump is destroying our country and everything we care about. We need leaders who will solve problems like climate change and COVID, not deny them. Leaders who will fight against systemic racism and inequality. What has Donald Trump done that has ruined everything that we know and love? Like, name it. Honestly, please. Unless you were, like, I'm, I'm trying to even think of examples that these folks might even be pointing to uh, if you're a trans person who really really wanted to be in the military like i guess he took something away from you 
sorry, not sorry. Actually, I'd like our fighting force to be incredibly well balanced mentally. But um, I I don't understand for the life of me where these people come up with these things. And I believe she ended this quote here. And um, uh, it's hard to tell because they all pretty much say the same stupid shit over and over again. But she was another one of the people who said, we need to vote like our lives depend on it. Your lives don't depend on Donald Trump being removed from office. As a matter of fact, if you just turned off CNN, you may have noticed that this country was well on its way to economic prosperity prior to COVID. The middle class was succeeding. The media was being held into account. Cancel culture was was being fended off, but barely. We can only imagine what this would have looked like under a Hillary Clinton presidency, and even worse, under a Joe Biden presidency. He doesn't even understand how social media works, never mind trying to figure out what a cancel culture is. What's a cancel culture? I don't know, Joe. Just uh, go ahead and go back to your uh, to your applesauce there. Okay. Just so you, know, you can imagine, Jill Biden is going to actually be our president until Kamala Harris takes over. But Billie Eilish just, I mean, I'll give her credit for being able to read off of a teleprompter. We apparently gave Biden all the credit in the world for being able to do so the night, uh, the, the night that he spoke as everyone on the internet was, wow, he really read off that teleprompter, hello well. I'm, I'm wondering if his thing was pre-taped, as we know some of them were, including Michelle Obama, who, who again, we'll get to in part two of this saga here of Zoom and Gloom at the DNC. But Billie Eilish, man, like this is this is the best they got. They couldn't drag Chrissy Teigen out of bed to to come talk about this. I mean, they got Eva Longoria, and uh, like I said, Kerry Washington was another one that spoke, and, and I, I have minimal qualms with Kerry Washington. Again, I think she's legitimately talented and beautiful, so um, I, I don't I don't see any real qualm with bringing her out there. But to think that Billie Eilish, like, yeah, I get a bunch of kids are probably excited that Billie Eilish is voting for Joe Biden. Did they not already know she was going to not be voting for Donald Trump at a minimum? I mean, look at her. Does she look like a Trump voter to you? Does anybody who listened to her music think for even a second she wasn't going to vote for Joe Biden? I highly doubt it. But I want—I do wonder what the people who have never heard of Billie Eilish think when they see this. They, oh, this chronically depressed, green-haired girl who's moderately obese is um, is is voting for Joe Biden because she thinks Donald Trump is ruining everything. She doesn't look like she's made some of the best life decisions and probably doesn't know a whole lot about anything. Maybe I should reconsider my vote. Uh, that won't happen, unfortunately, but to me, when the celebrities speak out, it's only further cementing the fact that I'm on the right side of history because most of these clowns don't have any idea what the rest of us deal with, and they're insistent that if you don't believe them, like everything else, you're some sort of racist or sexist or classist or whatever it is. It's hilarious to me. The Hollywood elites, the political elites, the media elites, these are the people that are against Donald Trump. And these are the same people who think that the rioters and the looters are just very fine people. And yeah, I use that expression for a reason. We'll talk about more of that in part two, I believe, as Joe Biden is trying to make his entire campaign about the fact that Donald Trump called Nazis very fine people, despite the fact that there is very clear evidence to suggest otherwise. But don't let that stop Joe. He can barely keep one reality in his head at a time. We don't need to confuse him with, you know, facts and data. He is a fan of truth over facts, after all. But these are the people that are against Donald Trump, and yet these are the same people that think the rioters are great, that they, they, they are under the disillusion that anyone thinks George Floyd should have died that way. No, no one is. Literally never heard a single soul say that George Floyd deserved to die that day at the hands of Derek Chauvin. Not a one. Yet major cities have been on fire for months now, 
as a result of an issue that absolutely no one disagrees on, this is truly the first revolution that is being fought for the elites. You've got common people, you've got the bourgeoisie uh, literally using the proletariat to fight their own battles, and the proletariat in this particular instance are so dumb, mostly because of the elites and the failures of our educational system, that they actually think they're fighting for themselves, when in actuality, they're fighting for the elites. And they have an army of these clowns. It doesn't just stop at the protesters. No, no. We've got the anti-gun nuts as well. And here are some encouraging words from them. An emotional appeal, if you will, to have the government take away your guns. They say that tougher gun laws do not decrease gun violence. We call BS! They say a good guy with a gun stops a bad guy with a gun. We call BS! Has there ever been an instance where a bad guy with a gun wasn't stopped with a good guy with a gun? Like any time ever? Please, feel free to explain to me the time that the radical lunatic shooting people just put his gun down and was like, you know what guys? I fucked up. My bad. It's never once happened, at least to my knowledge. And if it did happen, it's because that person was severely mentally strained. But don't worry, the Democrats are going to send a social worker out to go deal with your latest school shooting and not an actual armed police officer because he's evil and he might actually shoot somebody who deserves to be shot. But the, the mere fact that these people are just calling BS on actual facts just lets you know how in touch with reality they are. This, again, is just a bunch of emotional appeals to try to win over the center of the country because they know that they have the radical left. And unfortunately for them, they're too dumb to realize that there's a lot of single-issue voters out there, and a lot of those single-issue voters, even amongst Democrats and independents, a lot of those people are one-issue voters on the Second Amendment. They want to be able to arm themselves and protect themselves against the lunatics that are coming to burn their cities down. These idiots are out here just calling BS to facts because they want you to believe that if a bunch of children tell you it's so, it must be so. This is how we get people like Greta Thunberg winning Nobel Peace Prizes. Meanwhile, Donald Trump, who legitimately organized an actual peace deal between Israel and the United Arab Emirates, won't even get consideration, despite the fact he should walk away with it without any contest. But that's it. That's what we got for the undercard here. At Zoom and Gloom, the DNC 2020, we're going to get into the heavy hitters tomorrow. Yeah, tomorrow. I'm doing back-to-backs. This is a rarity for The Right Opinion, so I really appreciate if you guys give both episodes a listen, a like, a share, a subscribe, a five-star review, daddy, if you will. And uh, be sure to check out therightopinion.podbean.com or search The Right Opinion on Google Play, Spotify in the not-too-distant future, uh, pretty much all podcatchers at this point. I'm, I'm out there on just about all of them, I think, except for SoundCloud, unless somebody's up there uploading these to SoundCloud, in which case, thanks, I guess. Stop stealing my shit. Um, anyway, moving on from there, at Right Opinion Pod on Instagram, on Parler, and on Twitter, and The Right Opinion Pod at gmail.com for emails. Also check out this fine, fine podcast at hominmediagroup.podbean.com and ratsaladreview.com. And I think that's about all I've got for you this week. Again, back tomorrow with Hillary, with Barry, with Michael, I mean Michelle, and uh, and then obviously the two people at the top of the ticket there for the Democrats, Kamala and Joe. And we are going to talk about all of it in hopefully extraordinarily excruciating. No, I'm kidding. We're not going to get too down into the nitty gritty with it. You don't have to. The Democrats are incredibly shallow people. That said, 
I'm going to go ahead and take this opportunity to remind all of you fine people that opinions are like assholes. Everybody's got one, but this asshole has the right opinion right here on the Right Opinion Podcast. I'm Harrison Bergeron. I'll talk to you guys next time. Be the elephant in the room in a room full of elephants. Be the elephant in the room in a room full of elephants. Boom. Boom.